Welcome back to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast, the number one podcast on the Straight Up Sports Talk um, platform. Yeah, because we're the only podcast. So thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter, where you can find all of the latest episodes, shows, content, whatever. We put out our locks for the week every Sunday there. But uh, Sam Thillman on with me as usual. Sam, how was your weekend uh, watching you know, all the sports that there was to watch. Oh, man, it was it was a crazy weekend. We'll dive into it with our NFL talk. But it was super fun. Watched uh, the Lakers uh, win the championship. We'll talk about that. My fantasy football team, unfortunately, got another loss. Uh, DK Metcalf kind of screwed me there at the end. But beyond that, it was super fun. Loved watching some good college football again. Some exciting close games like the Oklahoma game once again. Just it was an overall fun weekend. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of good games. Saturday's college football slate was absolutely amazing. And, hey, Sam, we're a week away from sitting here talking about Big Ten football. So uh, Big Ten football starts a week from Saturday, and uh, yeah, that'll be exciting to get into. But the college football slate this weekend I thought was fantastic. Uh, Florida goes down to Texas A&M in four overtimes. You mentioned the Oklahoma game. Texas almost won that. Um, it was was a great uh, college football day. Alabama and Ole Miss, just an offensive showdown. It was absolutely fun to watch. But we'll get to that. First thing we want to dive into, though, is the NBA Finals. LeBron wins his fourth NBA title, the Lakers uh, NBA champions for this year. The third, he's the third Finals MVP for three different franchises. He's the first player in NBA history to win three Finals MVPs for three different franchises. And you know what you know what this means, Sam. You know what LeBron winning a title means. We go back to what debate? The MJ LeBron GOAT debate. What does with LeBron winning this finals, what does that do with that debate? Uh I, I have a different perspective on the MJ and LeBron debate than most people. And I say I don't think I can truly grasp the MJ-LeBron debate because I wasn't alive for the MJ uh, era. Like, yes, we can watch highlights and see how great he was, but to truly be able to watch him on TV in real time is just something that you just can't capture. Like, yes, we were around for Kobe, but towards the latter half of his career when we started really watching basketball and whatnot. So I think with all these debates of uh, Wilt and uh, MJ, Magic Johnson, what, whatever, your, whatever your debate is, I don't think you can truly say uh, you can have a say on the debate unless you got to watch both people either on TV or in person, if that makes sense. I, I don't have the perspective of I could say LeBron's better than MJ because I wasn't around for it. Yes, I can watch highlights on YouTube, but I just don't think it, it showcases their greatness like it, it should. Yeah, I agree. And as much as, you know, the last dance this spring may have influenced us, there is that factor of watching them live and, and even seeing, you know, there wasn't social media back then, but seeing the newspapers about the Bulls and everything like that, that you were there in the moment to live. I think, in my personal opinion, social media has hurt LeBron in terms of that debate. Um, because with, with MJ and the Bulls, and I think I said this when we were talking about the last dance this spring was, with MJ and the Bulls, you really only saw the good stuff because that's only what the newspapers and ESPN and SportsCenter, whatever, that's what they were airing was the good stuff. You never really saw the bad stuff. On Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, you see LeBron's bad stuff. 
you see his bad plays and stuff like that. So I think that is that has hurt LeBron in in that way. But uh, yeah, I think that debate you know, it's going to be ongoing. I mean, LeBron wins his fourth. Does he have two more in him? Three more in him? I think he does. Quite honestly, the way he's been playing, I think he's been playing fantastic. The more impressive thing to me, though, from this finals, um, or equally as impressive, you could say, is he joins Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe, Jerry West, and Shaquille O'Neal to all win one with the Lakers. Now, that is elite company, if you ask me. Yeah, and I, I think that's impressive. Uh, I think what's going to help LeBron is if they can sign AD to a contract because I think he wants to stay with the Lakers, and I think him staying with the uh, Lakers long-term, him signing that contract extension, can put the Lakers in contention for the next couple of years. I think LeBron's on a two- to three-year contract right now. Uh, short, short-term, short obviously, than the five-year, six-year span. But I think if you get a solid two to three more years out of those two, you could possibly be seeing another two, three championships the way I saw them um, going. And I saw a statistic like the Lakers this season were like 56-0 and 0 when winning through three quarters. So that just shows how elite they are at making sure to not let leads go by. And I think that just shows the greatness of this team. Yeah, I uh... – I agree with that. I think I think you will get Anthony Davis to stick around. Why? Because he has that taste of winning. Now, he didn't have that in New Orleans. That's why he wanted out of there. Now he's got the taste of – now he's going to want to stay. So I don't think you'll have any problem with that. All right, Sam, let's move on to some NFL conversation because I think that is taking over the headlines today. Uh, but one more mention of the NBA, uh, the Lakers, is, you know, they were able to do it in the year that Kobe passed away, I think was just equally as, you know, I, I thought that was – just, you know, something that outstanding from the finals that I picked up on as well. Yeah, I think with any good champion, you have to have some storyline, whatever that is. Like, I remember the Michigan um, going to the final or uh, reaching the NCAA championship after their plane almost crashing, and then they went in to win four games out of four days. You need that storyline to build a good champion. And I think that's what, what happened. Unfortunately, it had to deal with Kobe dying, which I, I know we're all sad about. But – to be a champion, I think there needs to be a good storyline that motivates you to get that championship. And, and unfortunately, it had to be Kobe passing. Yeah, a uh, champion always has a story. You know, with uh, the Chiefs, you know, winning it for the first time in however many years. I mean, it's been a while uh, from last year. So I think, uh, yeah, that that you met, you bring up a great point there with every champion has a story on why they're there. I think that's very important to remember as well. All right, let's get into some NFL conversation. It's Monday mayhem because the NFL is kind of going crazy, Sam. I mean, we saw a lot happen this weekend, uh, but the big thing was the NFL news dump. I think it was on Friday, Friday or Saturday, the NFL released a statement with all of the schedule changes to make up for COVID outbreaks within different organizations. So, you're just going to have to bear with me here because it's very confusing, and I'll try to dumb it down as I go. But Broncos and Patriots was originally supposed to play tonight. It was supposed to be another Monday night doubleheader. That game, because of Patriots' positive tests, has been moved to next Sunday instead of tonight. So there will only be one Monday night game tonight. The Chiefs at Bills was supposed to play on Thursday, but the Bills keep testing positive. I think it's the Bills, right? They keep testing positive. No, it's, it's the Titans. Been, it's the Titans. So, But the Bills – the Chiefs-Bills game is now moved from this Thursday to next Monday at 5 p.m. So a week from today, we'll have another Monday night doubleheader. Uh, that game's moved to five. Um, 
so there will be no Thursday game this week. The Jets at Dolphins games, that game has been moved from week 10 to now Sunday at 4.05. The Jets at Chargers has been moved from week 6 to week 11. Jaguars at Chargers moves from week 8 to week 7. Chargers at Broncos moves from week 11 to week 8. Chargers at Dolphins moves from week 7 to week 10. Dolphins at Broncos moves from week 6 to week 11. So obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to have to rewind that about eight times if you ever understand it. We will continue to update you week by week based on Mm -hmm. what is going on around the league and what schedule changes take place that week. But just for this week, obviously the Broncos-Pats game moved to next Sunday instead of tonight. The uh, Chiefs-Bills moved to next Monday instead of Thursday. And then the Jets-Dolphins will play this Sunday instead of week 10. And the Jets-Chargers is moved from this week to week 11. So, uh, and the Dolphins-Broncos game moved from week 6 to week 11. So, that was a lot, Sam. Mm. With this whole – the main point that that I'm trying to bring up with all these schedule changes is, will the NFL season be extended by a week or two to make up these games? Uh, That's tough. I honestly have no clue. And the thing that that worries me the most is this is the plan with uh, how the Titans things going on. But what if we have one or two more outbreaks? What happens then? What happens if this happens in the playoffs? Like, I I like I would I would like to think that they have uh, extra weeks built in and the NFL is planned for that. But have they honestly? We haven't heard anything from Roger Goodell or the NFLPA to suggest otherwise. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tend to lean towards no at this moment that they haven't put any weeks in place to kind of back up. But who knows at this point, we haven't heard anything from like Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. Yeah, uh, I want to uh, bring up something, a point that I, that I heard earlier. I was listening to Pat McAfee's show. Field Yates was on as a guest. And Pat asked Field if the NFL would expand the season and field said, no, not until they've used every possible combination to finish the season on time. So the NFL will continue to shuffle games. They'll continue to do these Tuesday games, which is why the bills game got moved because the bills and Titans play tomorrow night on Tuesday at seven. So I think, yeah, I think I agree with him. I think that the NFL season will not expand unless they've used every possible uh, combination to rearrange these games. Now, I think that we're going to be in a similar position like the MLB was. You have a few outbreaks, you get them taken care of, and then you'll be good for the rest of the season. That's what I think is going to happen. I think the NFL will do a playoff bubble as much as a difficulty it will be. Maybe not for the wild card rounds, but for the divisional and conference rounds, I think those games will be played in a bubble. Um, but, yeah, the, the NFL continues to shuffle the schedule. And we'll keep you updated as, as usual, as to expect. And that's why you follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter. The next order of business for us, Sam, here on this Monday, Dan Quinn, he's out in Atlanta. Three years removed after a Super Bowl appearance, the Falcons just went straight downhill. Thoughts on uh, Dan Quinn being out at, out with the Falcons uh, finally in a week? It seems like it was a week too late. Uh, I think it was personally a season too late, but that that's just me on it. They also let go of their GM, which I thought was also smart. Uh, I don't. I don't know whether the Falcons go from here. I think they go into a rebuild. 
Whether or not they decide, uh, I'm not sure how old Matt Ryan is. I believe he's in his uh, younger 30s. So he's still got a few years left. Do you build around him and Julio Jones? Like, what, what do this Falcons team do when I see they have so many pieces on the offense? They have Matt Ryan. They have Ito Smith, their running back. They have Julio Jones, Russell Gage, uh, Calvin Ridley. And Hayden Hurst at tight end, and I look at their defense. Do they? Do they? That has been kind of lackluster. Do they build on that? I'm not really show, sure where the Falcons go. They seem like a contender, but at the same time, do they have a defense well enough to be a contender? They're kind of in that middle place in my mind. So I don't know whether you try to gain assets or you try to sell assets. It. I, I honestly don't know where this Falcons team go, goes. Well, you can't build a team through free agency you got to build it through the draft these days. I, that was my next talking point after Dan Quinn was, should the Falcons go into a rebuild? It's an interesting topic, right? Because the offense is, is decent. I mean, it's pretty good. It's put up points this year. We've seen it with Calvin Ridley um, and, and Todd Gurley, who's going to be a piece for a couple more years. Uh, but you got Matt Ryan, who's super young. He's on a big contract right now. Um, but you mentioned the defense. It's terrible. So do the Falcons go straight into a rebuild or do they try to patch it up? I don't think they will go into a rebuild for at least two more years. I think they're going to try to patch up their team in free agency, maybe get a few draft picks and maybe trade away a few players, not any key players, but maybe a few. Um, But I think they try to patch it up here in the next few years and make another run in the playoffs. I, that's what I personally think happens. I think they bring in a they, – they already hired the defensive coordinator as uh, the coach. I think they stick with that route on defense. That's what they did when they hired Dan Quinn. I think they stay that route because the offense is fine. Um, but I think they try to patch it up here in the next few years. I mean, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering what they're going to do this season. Are they going to try to still, considering they're winless on the season, 0-5, I do believe, are they going to try to make a run for a postseason? Or are they just kind of, not, not in a sense fully tank, but kind of in a way, maybe get a nice uh, pick at five wins, six wins, set yourself up with a nice defensive piece, uh, in the middle to uh, late first round. Like, I'm just interested to see if the Falcons are going to be in win-now mode. They're going to try to put on the gas pedal and try to kind of bounce back from this terrible start. Well, I, I think they're going to turn up the gas a little bit, and if you're a betting man, you bet the Falcons to win next week. Um, but they would have to go on an absolute tear to make the playoffs. And I think the, the organization kind of just looks at the optic, optics of this. You look at your division, and you have the Saints and, and the Bucks and the Panthers, too. You're not winning that division. A wild card, highly unlikely at this point, because I think wild cards in the NFC are going to be at a, at a stiff premium. So I think you try to salvage season, maybe go 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, somewhere around there. But, again, you have to go on absolute tear to make the playoffs essentially win the rest of your games. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think they win next week, though. I think we saw with the, with the Texans, right, you fire your coach, and there's some more energy in the building. Everybody's kind of like, okay, that weight is off of our shoulders. Let's just go in. The, the, the new head coach comes in, and he's got more of a positive attitude. It's more of kind of a happy-go-lucky. He probably knows that he's not going to be there next year, so let's just go ahead and uh, have some fun with it. And that's why the Texans won on Sunday. 
So, yeah, but, I think the Falcons win next Sunday. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens down there in Atlanta in the next six months. I, I do think it's different in the Texans and Falcons case because I think we saw like how well the Texans did with their obviously new head coach and Romeo Cornell has to do with the more of the fact that they were playing the Jaguars and yes, they did uh, beat, beat the Colts and that, that was a terrible loss for us and give credit to the Jaguars there. But I, I think it was weeks like two through four, the Jags have lost to a winless team. So I think when you look at who the uh, Falcons are playing in the uh, Vikings, it's going to be a little tougher to just kind of just have, have fun essentially and get the win done because it's one thing to do it against the Jaguars who you have a nice solid core in the offense, but their defense has been atrocious. And the Vikings who we saw yesterday went toe to toe with the Seahawks. And I, th- I think that shows that the Vikings are a little bit uh, tougher than people are giving them credit for yeah, I think the Vikings have a little bit more to show than, than, like you mentioned, than what people are giving them credit for. I thought they looked very impressive last night um, against the Seahawks and almost beat them. Uh, too bad the future MVP of the season had to go down there and ruin the, the game for them. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the Vikings have a little bit more to show for them. I think that game on Sunday will be very interesting. All right, Sam, our next order of business here on this Monday Mayhem episode Really, really, really unfortunate news out of Dallas this weekend. Dak Prescott goes down, double fracture and dislocated ankle. Um, what a double fracture was in his ankle, obviously. So um, just very unfortunate news. You saw it when he was carted off the field. He was very emotional. Um, he had surgery last night and is on the road to recovery. Um Thoughts on this Cowboys team, they, they did get it done. Andy Dalton came in, the red rifle, and got it done for them. But thoughts on this Cowboys team now moving forward? You got Andy Dalton at quarterback. What does this team look like, you know, three weeks from now? Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not optimistic about the Cowboys. I think, I think Andy Dalton did as good of a job in the position he was. He doesn't get a whole lot of snaps before this injury in practice. He only gets a fuse probably with the backups and whatnot. And considering the situation, just put in their game. Third quarter, I think it was just – I think he did a good job leading this team to victory. What worries me, again, is that defense. You let a Giants offense that has been atrocious all season score 34 points on you. And you're expecting a backup quarterback in Andy Dalton who's, who's a veteran backup who's proven to lead the Bengals to wins and whatnot, even to a playoff appearance, to kind of – lead this team when their defense is allowing like 30 points a game, you let 41 against the Browns and now 30 some with the Giants. It doesn't bode well for the uh, Giants or, or bode well for the Cowboys. I do expect the Cowboys to lean on Zeke a little bit more, which they've kind of sh- sh- shown away from with the game script and all that. But yeah, I'm not optimistic about this Cowboys team. Uh, yeah, I'm not either. I, I still think they're going to be a contention for, the division title they host the Cardinals next week on Monday night football so we'll see what they put in there the Cardinals obviously look very good I'm kind of with you though I don't see very much optimism because they kind of have rode on the shoulders of Dak Prescott there in those late game situations I mean he's thrown for over 300 yards and I think uh four game three of the four games uh to this point this season um so I think uh I'm not very optimistic you mentioned their defense 
They're obviously going to have to rely a lot more on Zeke. But Andy Dalton's not a bad quarterback either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are going to have to rely on Zeke. And uh, Tony Romo mentioned in the broadcast yesterday, he says, look, this Cowboys team should be handing it off to Zeke way more often than they are. He mentioned that before Dak Prescott went down. So um, I think that the narrative of the Cowboys offense is offense changes. Hopefully they, mm-hmm. somebody goes in there and wakes up the defense because, you know, allowing that many points against the Giants, 34, that's not going to get it done. I mean, they, they got it done thanks to Greg Zerline's leg, but allowing 34 points against any NFL team is going to be hard to beat them. Yeah, I, I think I think what's interesting is I think this might help the Cowboys defense in a way. And I'm not saying that Prescott's injury is good by any means, but I think the game plan for the Cowboys could help their defense moving forward. Because I think as we mentioned, they're gonna run with Zeke a lot more and they're gonna be a lot more possession based, which is gonna not be a little which is gonna change the game plan from run and gun and try to catch up with teams to let's limit the time of possession. Let's say Kyler Murray has, and you're not going to force the the defense who has been miserable so far on the field as much. So I expect a lot more low-scoring games for the Cowboys moving forward. Hopefully this kind of lowers the amount of points the, the defense can allow because if you limit the time of possession the opponents have, they theoretically have can score less points. So I think the game plan moving forward will help the uh, the Cowboys moving forward. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with that. Whenever you're playing with a backup quarterback, you can't play keep up with another team. And that's what the Cowboys have done to this point. Can't do that. I think, like you mentioned, they're going to come out and try to set the pace early um, and not allow teams to run up 30 and 40 points on them. I think um, that that's going to have to be a part of how the Cowboys play from now on. Sam, let's, uh, let's talk about how about them Raiders. I said it at the beginning of the season, before week one kickoff even happened, Raiders are a sleeper team, and you can count on it. They're now 3-2, and two, and they beat the best team in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs, on Sunday. Your thoughts on what John Gruden has going down there in Vegas? I mean, I got to give the Raiders credit. What they did yesterday was impressive, putting 40 points on the Chiefs and, and getting a win. And when I look at their wins against the Chiefs, the Saints, and the Panthers, those are all quality wins. Yes, you did lose the Patriots and Bills. I, but I've got to give it to them. I was impressed. I did not expect them to do this. I thought their bounce back week after losing to the, uh, the, the Patriots would have been to the Bills. They didn't get it done. But something yesterday just clicked for the Raiders where they, they got the job done. And I've got to get hats off to them. I got to give hats off to you for saying it before anybody else did. I, I'm still not – I'm not totally sound on the Raiders. I'm, I'm slowly buying into what John Gruden's doing in this team. I'm going to give it a few more weeks. But, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing from this Raiders team. Three and two heading into the bye next week. Uh, their offense looked fantastic. They, they did what you got to do against Chiefs. They attacked downfield, and they attacked it early, and they never stopped. Derek Carr had an amazing game, maybe one of the best of his career. And, you know, his receivers helped him out a lot. Henry Ruggs is going to be fantastic for this Raiders team. But the, the Raiders did exactly what you needed to do. Frazzle that secondary. They went deep several times, and it was very successful for them. But I will say, though, the one thing I've, I'm cautious about, which I've mentioned before, is the rushing attack. And I don't think what we saw yesterday can continue for the Raiders because 
I'm not set on giving the ball to Derek Carr to throw it 40 times. He threw it 31, which isn't a mount. But Josh Jacobs, who John Gruden loves, he's mentioned several times, thought he should have won uh, Rookie of the Year, I believe, uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. 23 carries, 77 yards, and two touchdowns. No, those two touchdowns are solid. But when you look at the yards per carry, that's what, three yards a carry, not even four? And that's not going to get the job done, especially when – the Raiders are built around, I think, more Josh Jacobs than Derek Carr. I think that's gonna that kind of worries me a little bit more. But I like the job they got they got done. They put the ball in Derek Carr's hand and he delivered. Hey, air raid offense, man! I'm telling you what, watch out for it. I think the Raiders are very, very dangerous. Uh, they got a bye week this week, and they'll come back in two weeks with. Uh, they will. Play, let me pull it up here just to check. Week seven, it is. Uh, feels like this NFL season is absolutely flying by, by the way. Um, the Raiders will have a Sunday night showdown with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers when they come back from by. That'll be a fantastic game. I think an offensive shootout for sure. Sam, I wanted to get into this too. We, we mentioned the Seahawks a little bit. We haven't talked about the Steelers. They played a, an amazing game on, uh, on Sunday against the Eagles. Who do you believe more in at this point in the season, the Seahawks or the Steelers, both teams undefeated? I'm going to go with my boy. I've said it since week one, Russell Wilson. How can you not? Like, when I look at what the Steelers have done, to be honest, I'm not that impressed. I don't believe that they should be 4-0 at this point, and I'll tell you why. When you look at the games that they've played so far, with the exception of the Titans game, which got uh, postponed, you beat the Giants. They beat the Giants by 10. They beat the Broncos by 5. They beat the Texans, who were winless, and just fired their head coach, who had Bill O'Brien at the time, by 7. You beat the Eagles by 9. And it was a very much closer game than I think the the final score told you. And when you look at uh, what the Seahawks have done, they've just impressed me. What, what letting Russ Cook did has been doing has just transformed this season. They've beaten the Falcons. They've beaten the Patriots. They've beaten the Cowboys, Dolphins, and Vikings. I think on that sample size alone, the Seahawks impressed me more. Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, at, at that point. I'm cautiously optimistic about the Steelers. One of the reasons being, they had an impromptu bye week after week three. So um, that was something that it obviously was not expected. Now you got to play 12 games in a row. Um, and that's tough for, for a team. And they don't have a Thursday night game from the schedule that I'm looking at currently. They don't have a Thursday night game um, at all this season. And, you know, after that Thursday, you kind of get a mini bye week uh, to help rest and recover. So that's what concerns me about the Steelers at this point is they don't have a, they don't have a bye week. They had it early. Now they don't have one. Uh, they're in a very tough division. I think uh, the Browns game that, that's coming up on Sunday – uh, in uh, Pittsburgh is going to be an interesting game and a, and a big one for for the Steelers. The AFC North, by the way, might be the best division in the AFC. Pittsburgh 4-0, Baltimore 4-1, and Cleveland 4-1, and and you have Cincinnati down there at 1-3-1. Uh, but the AFC North might be the best division in, in the uh, AFC right now. And it, it might be. And another thing that worries me is – uh, the Eagles offense, who I'd say have struggled in the past, they're currently 1-3-1 uh, and one with last week's loss, is did, like, as good as we think the Steelers is, they're obviously a top defense. Did the Eagles potentially find 
something to attack the Steelers' defense moving forward. I mean, you you have uh, Jeff Driscoll and Drew J- Jeff Driscoll come in for Drew Lock, who put up 21 points. You put you have Daniel Jones who put up 16. You have Sean Watson who put up 21, and then you have Carson Wentz who has struggled this year up to this point, putting up 29 points. For as good as we have we think this defense is. Are they underperforming this season? I think that's a potential worry of mine is we saw Miles Sanders just cruise through that defense. We saw some unheard wide receiver just put up a monster showing against the Steelers. And that's kind of what worries me even more than um, the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, their defense is a concern. But, you know, the Seahawks as well, I mean, last night their defense, I mean, they got to stop when necessary, but – they had trouble stopping the Vikings, and it was they relied on the offense a little bit better. Uh, but nevertheless, both teams four and zero. There's several. Uh, there's quite a few other teams that are four and zero up to this point. Uh, but not too many left with the Chiefs losing. You have the Bills at four and zero. Titans at three and zero. Obviously, haven't played in a couple weeks. Um, Packers at four and zero, and Seahawks now five and zero on the season. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. The Chicago Bears, Sam, they got it done against Tampa on Thursday. Um, what are the Bears? Because they're just they're just hanging around. I mean, it feels like they should be two and two, one and three at this point, but they're hanging around. Yeah, I I, th- I think what's going to happen with the Bears is I think they're going to stick around teams, and I think they're going to pull out wins that we don't think uh, they should win, like we've seen in the past four weeks and I think they're potentially just going to fall into a wild card spot now I don't think they're anything more than wild card team like I don't see them getting any wins in the playoffs but I think they're a solid team to just squeak into the playoffs maybe get 10 11 wins just be like how did how did they get 11 wins they just find ways to get it done like I had the uh, Bucks minus two and a half spread the Bears just got it done when they needed to Nick Foles throwing 42 times touchdown pick it didn't look like the prettiest game by any means, but the Bears are going to find ways to win, and I think that's the key to success for this team. I don't think they're going to do anything more than a wild card spot, but, hey, they, they may they may shock us come playoff time. They could. They could. Um, it's going to be fun to watch, Sam. You got anything else before we head out on this Monday mayhem? It's been a crazy weekend in the NFL, but uh, I think we pretty much got to cover head to toe. Uh, anything else you want to add before we head out today? Uh, I just want to touch on the Dolphins in the 49ers game. What a just absolute crazy game that was. The Dolphins absolutely demolished, coming out of nowhere against the 49ers. The 49ers even benched Jimmy G going into the second half. I just I just didn't know what was going on, whether that just like Jimmy G just had a brain fart or the, 40, or the Dolphins had a minute of brilliance. I don't know whether it was. But the Dolphins got it done, and, and I was impressed by uh, yesterday's performance. Yeah, I was too. I thought that uh, I, I did have the, the Dolphins in my lock of the week at plus eight and a half um, because I thought with, with all these pieces coming back for San Francisco, it was their first game back, there was going to be some trouble, and there absolutely was. Now, in that game, I didn't get a chance to watch the rest. Uh, I didn't watch many, much of that game after I saw what the score was at half. Did uh, Jimmy G ever make an appearance in the second half, or was he benched for the rest of the game? Uh, as far as I know, I was watching Red Zone. I believe he was benched coming into the second half. I could be wrong on that. Maybe he played a few snaps, but I believe uh, 
the backup quarterback came in to start the second half and like the Dolphins just took control from there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I didn't get a chance to catch that game. I was the Cowboys. I watched the Cowboys and the Colts game, but yeah, that game was impressive for the Dolphins. And I mean, you look at the Dolphins at this point and they're not doing too bad. Right. I mean, you're two and three uh, in the third in the AFC East, obviously, uh, the Bills are going to be hard to take down, but you got the Jets this Sunday. This should be a win. Get to three and three, and maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick has a maybe a playoff run in him at this point. Yeah, maybe he does. Because I see, like, I, it's just confusing to me why like people don't give ever gave Ryan Fitzpatrick enough sample size to do anything. They always bench him for another quarterback or just turn away from him. But I don't think he's done that bad of a job ever in his like career to be like. This guy isn't good. And I think what's what's confusing about the Dolphins is, like, they shouldn't be at two wins, I don't think, but Ryan Sotatrick and his Fitz Magic just empowers them too. And, uh, Grant, thinking of the 49ers game, is this another Kyle Shanahan team that after the Super Bowl just does nothing? Because we looked at when um, – after he left the Falcons, they did nothing. And now he's with the 49ers being a head coach, and they're two and three right now. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't take out the the phrase of Super Bowl hangover because that's definitely a possibility. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has been there and done that. He's blown two leads in Super Bowls, um, so he should know how to manage the year after a Super Bowl, right? Doesn't seem like he can. Um, it's obviously his first situation in doing that. Obviously, because after that Super Bowl, he did go to the 49ers. Um, so. But he's blown two leads in the Super Bowls. I think that uh, if if the, the 49ers don't finish the season with at least 10 wins, he's on the hot seat, I think. I don't know what his Ooh. contract situation looks like in the 49ers, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Kyle Shanahan could be on the hot seat after this season if the 49ers season doesn't go the way that the management thinks it will. And I think if they finish below 500, you're going to have to watch out. I think Kyle Shanahan could be on the chopping block. Uh, he in his contract he signed in 2020 June 15th six year contract through 2025. Yeah, and, and what amazes me about about Shanahan is I, I feel like the offense that he's trying to run with the 49ers is a complete 180 of what he tried to do with Atlanta. Maybe not 180, maybe like 125. Okay, mm. because I, I think I feel like that Atlanta's offense when he was there was more of the west coast air raid style i I feel like they Mm -hmm. threw it a lot more especially to tight ends and wide receivers and now that he's in the 49ers and this could be personnel situation wise i just feel like they're trying to ground and pound um a lot more than than trying to go up top maybe that is personnel but i just feel like his offense wasn't what it was in atlanta yeah it definitely was and i think that has to do with, with i've told my buddy caleb this the difference between Jimmy G and Matt Ryan. He trusted Matt Ryan. He let Matt Ryan throw 50 times a game. It just doesn't seem like even in that Super Bowl, he trusts Jimmy G fully. He trusts the running backs of Raheem Mostert and uh, who, who else is running back? Uh, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson Jr. more than Jimmy G. They like to dink and dunk all the way down the field with George Kittle, which, I mean, George Kittle's a stud, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like, if you trust in Jimmy G, who they just signed to a fat contract extension, 
and you trust him to be the franchise guy, you got to let him air it out more than five yards down the field. And I, I don't think the 49ers are going to get it done until they get to that point of realizing we got to have faith in Jimmy G or we just got to move on from him. Yeah, you got to play to win. You can't play not to lose because you will. That's what Kyle – I mean, that, that's kind of what he does. He plays not to lose. He doesn't play to win, in, in my opinion. So, I think there's a lot of figuring out that the 49ers have to do. Um, but Shanahan just raises a lot of red flags to me when it comes to what does he do offensively, uh, just because of the simple fact that it's changed from when he was in Atlanta. It's not the same. It, it, obviously, it's not going to be exactly the same. I feel like the concepts and schemes just aren't very similar to what he was in Atlanta. I could be completely wrong with that statement, but my observations through what is two years, three years that he's been there, have been that uh, it's kind of changed dramatically. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I, th- I think what he's done in San Francisco is uh, completely different than Atlanta. Atlanta, it seemed like there was a lot more moving pieces involved. It looked similar, more similar to the Chiefs offense, but now it's more similar to kind of like the Titans Colts offense where it's a lot of grounded pound, trust the backs, try, trust the tight ends more. And it's just completely different. I don't know how much how how many years that's going to sustain success when you look at the fact that this season the kind of Super Bowl hangover it just hasn't looked the best yeah I I agree um Sam let's get out of here let's uh call it a day for Monday Mayhem um tonight uh you got any feelings uh, about tonight's Monday night game which is the Chargers and Saints and then Tuesday Bills and uh, who do the Bills play Tuesday? I completely drew a blank there. I had it on my – The Titans. Sheer. Bills and Titans, yeah. Bills, Titans, Tuesday, uh, Chargers, Saints tonight. Any any thoughts on those games? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stick to one for time purposes. I think I'm interested to watch the Chargers-Saints game. We saw Justin Herbert try to step up to Tom Brady last week. Obviously, didn't get it done. He played really well. The team just couldn't get it done in the end. And now he's going to another – uh, are you like certifiable Hall of Famer and Drew Brees? I think I think this is gonna just enhance what we think of Justin Herbert. I think he's done tremendously well. The New Orleans defense is is all right. I I, I don't think uh, he'll have any problem scoring, but I like Justin Herbert to try to prove himself once again against this team. Chargers win tonight. I'm not gonna say they do. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a close one, but I think Drew Brees is just too good to let that happen. I agree. They won't have Michael Thomas uh, benched for uh, violating some team rules. So For fighting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they won't have that, which really hurts them. I think I, I'm pulling for the Saints. Um, I think it's going to be a close game as well. Whoever has the ball in there, uh, whoever, whoever gets the ball last wins, in my opinion. All right, Sam, thanks for uh, coming on as usual, and uh, we'll talk to you on Friday for uh, some weekend prep. Peace. That's Sam Doan. I'm Grant Coey. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to come back on Friday for weekend prep. We'll break down week number six in the NFL. Hard to believe that it's already here, but we'll break down week six. There's nine 1 p.m. games on Sunday, which is a lot to keep track of. There's only two late games on Sunday. That'll probably get changed around just because of TV, scheduling, and whatnot. But anyways, thanks for tuning in. And uh, follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter. That'll be it for now. We'll see you next time.